Our Father, we thank You that You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word. We pray now, Lord, that that Word would be proclaimed faithfully and received faithfully. We ask, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us. And Father, that Your name would be praised through Jesus Christ, by Your Spirit. Amen. This passage uh, from Paul's uh, letter to the Colossians, the first chapter, is one of uh, my favorites. And I, um, it's one of my favorites for a particular reason, a particular episode uh, in my life. I, I, before I went to seminary, I ran after school and day camps uh, for the YMCA in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, running a day camp uh, it, for, for the Y, there was about 300 kids uh, in the day camp, and it was uh, a pretty big staff, and um, it was my first summer, and it was the morning of the first day, and I was uh, just a little bit freaking out, and um, I was uh, just really, I was really, really nervous. Uh, I woke up uh, really early. Uh, my stomach was uh, in knots. I just did not know how it was going to go. I knew everything was planned. I knew that the staff said they were going to show up and the parents said they were going to bring their kids. I just didn't know. I did not know uh, how it was going to go. And it just happened that, um, that I happened to be reading the first chapter of Colossians that morning. And I read that uh, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And somehow I knew that meant day camp too. I just it was, it was just it was, and and, uh, and you know what we we got through. It, it turned out uh, he held it together, and uh, and that was that was an important thing in my life. But I've always associated uh, that this passage with that uh, morning. Uh, but I have come to love, especially uh, I think studying it this week. But over the years, have come to love it even more because it does present to us such a high Christology, uh, such an incredibly um, lofty and uh, robust vision of who Jesus Christ is. We see here the cosmic Christ, the royal Christ, the uh, divine Jesus Christ. And what I want to do is I just, I just want to work through the passage a little bit and just kind of see, you can, you can watch it. I don't know if you can put it on the screen or you can um, hold it on the, on the purple sheets. Uh, either is fine. Uh, but I but just want to kind of work through and just see uh, what it is that Paul says about Jesus. And then, what does that have to do uh, with us? Paul says he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God. That is, if you want to know what uh, God is like, you look at Jesus. Well, where do you see Jesus? You see Jesus in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you get an incredible uh, picture of His character. Uh, you see Jesus as He was uh, prophesied uh, through the prophets, as He is expounded on and explained uh, through the letters of uh, Paul and James and John. Uh, but we uh, re- really see Him primarily... Uh, in the Gospels, the one who um, befuddles the religious types, the one who reaches out uh, to the outcast, the one who speaks to the storm 
and tells it to be quiet. Uh, this may be an administration. I can't do that. Um, but he can and could if he wanted to. Well, no, I, I can't. I, I'm only through him. Um, but I, I can. Uh, it is uh, amazing to see what uh, incredible ways in which the gospel authors proclaim uh, Jesus. He is the one who fulfills the prophets uh, of old. He is the one who has all authority over heaven and earth. He is the one to whom the, even the demons uh, bow down. Uh, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who died for us and rose again. Uh, and if you want to know uh, what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, that does not mean that He was born, uh, but that He is preeminent. The firstborn in the, in the uh, uh, cultures of the, uh, of the ancient Near East, they, the firstborn was the heir. It was the heir of all things. The one to, that the Father gave all that He had. And so we see that He is... We don't, we don't, we don't see that Jesus is, is created because we are just about to see that He is the one through whom all things were created in heaven and on, in earth. But, but He is the firstborn of all creation, uh, meaning He is the heir of all things. He's the most important member of the family. He's the firstborn. Uh, but then we see that He it says, For by Him all things were created. All things were created by Jesus. That means when we see in Genesis 1 that God said, let there be, that Jesus was there doing that, letting it be, letting there be light, letting there uh, be mountains and valleys and uh, oceans and rivers and uh, plants and animals and finally the pinnacle of creation of mankind. That Jesus was uh, not just in the mix, but He was the engineer. He was the one who was driving uh, that creation. He was the one who was making all things uh, created. Now, if uh, some of you may be really creative. Uh, I don't get accused of that very often. But some of you uh, may be uh, quite creative. And you take things. Like if you're a sculptor, you'll take a piece of rock and you will find something amazing inside of it and, and take all the excess out of it. Or if you're a painter, you take paints and you put it on a, a blank canvas. You take the materials uh, that you have and you make it into something exquisite and beautiful. But God is not a creator like that. He is not creative like that. God took all the beauty of this world, all of the um, complexity of this world out of nothing. He didn't have paints and rocks. He didn't have anything. I, I said this morning in a class, I don't even really have a category for what nothing must have been like. Because even in my mind, there is space where there is nothing. There was nothing. And yet there was God. And I can't figure that out. But somehow, in His great mercy, in His great plan, God said, let there be, and there was. And Jesus was the one through whom all things were created. All things in heaven, all things on earth, all things visible, all things invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created 
through Him. And for Him. Which means that Jesus is the legal owner of all of it. He is the legal owner of China. (laughs) He is the legal owner of your house. He is the legal owner of you. All things were created through Him, and they were created for Him. He is the heir of all things. He's the firstborn of all creation. So it's all for Him and for His glory. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, again, that was, that was, that, it was so important for me when I was so stressed out about this, this camp that I didn't know how it was going to go. And, and, and you may be uh, completely uh, stressed out about something. You don't know how it's going to go. And, and, and you can take this verse and you can apply it and, and, it, and it works there. Uh, but, but in a cosmic sense, this is present tense. He who created all things, who was there in the beginning, He who came as a man and died and rose again, who sits on the right hand of God, He is now before all things. That is, He is still present with us. He is, uh, in, in Him, all things now hold together. That He is the cosmic Christ. And because He is, uh, it was all for Him, all created by Him, uh, holding now all things together, He is the head of His body, the church. The, that mystical, uh, body, that mystical uh, fellowship of all, all faithful believers uh, in, uh, in this parish, in this city, in this country, in our denomination, across denominations, all around the world, the church, the faithful company of all, uh, the, the fellowship of all faithful believers. But not just now. All the believers throughout all the centuries. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning. We see in Revelation, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. So we saw that He's the firstborn of the living, of all creation, the heir of all things, but He's also the firstborn among all the resurrected, all those who will have everlasting life with the Father. He is first in all things. For in Him... This may be the most dramatic statement uh, yet. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Well, that's a little like saying that He is the visible, the image of the invisible God. And yet, when I see this verse, I see that Jesus was a man who walked on this earth. And in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. My, we don't have in Scripture really any description of what Jesus looked like, what His physical character was like. We, um, every picture pretty much you've ever seen Him had Him with a beard and sort of long hair, but, um, but the Bible doesn't describe that. Jesus was probably not much bigger than I am. Probably shorter, actually because he was a Middle Eastern man 2,000 years ago. And he walked around, and you could touch him and talk to him. 
That's why the Pharisees were so aghast at His claims to forgive sin, to know His Father, to even call God Father. Because He was a guy. And in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This isn't the same thing as me saying to you that you bear the image of God. This was the fullness of God Almighty dwelling in a man. That's hard for me to believe. It may be hard for you to believe. And yet, that's what the Scripture says. And He came for a purpose, and that is that through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. All things. Again, cosmic Christ reconciling all of creation torn or ripped by uh, human sin. Uh, all of creation in he- on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of His cross. It's hard for me to believe that the fullness of God could dwell in a man. Yet the alternative is to believe that we would be completely on our own. And in fact, there has never been a culture anywhere in the history of humanity that did not have the sense that they were under the protection, under the watch uh, of God, that there was... Not something. They may not have gotten their theology right about God. I mean, some of their, every culture everywhere has known that there is something out there greater than themselves. It would also, incidentally, mean that a bunch of fishermen and um, regular guys uh, suddenly created three different genres of literature, put them all together, and, and uh, proclaimed it in, with such uh, emotive and persuasive force that all of uh, the world around them uh, came to believe uh, that they each and that they their lives were were so um, uh, were so evident that they were actually put to death for them and they were willing to go to, de- to their own death for lies, and yet their message carried on and carried on and carried on and uh, we inherit it today. That also is hard for me to believe. In fact, it's harder for me to believe than that God would come uh, as a man and that it is actually His incredible nature, His cosmicness, His royalty, His divinity that qualifies Him to reconcile all things to Himself. See, Paul has this cosmic scope. He reconciled all things. And then what does he do in verse 21? And you. He makes it personal. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death. I've thought about that phrase, um, uh, hostile in mind, doing uh, evil deeds. And my guess is that the Colossians just did what was normal in their society. They weren't awful people. They just did what was accepted. That it was, uh, if worshiping a multitude of gods was accepted, that that's what they did. If um, offering meat to uh, those those gods was um, 
was accepted, that's what they did. If just whatever was accepted in society, that that's what they did. They learned how to live by watching the people around them. That's what you and I do. That's how we have learned to live. That's why. That's how we have uh, learned what is acceptable. It's by just watching the world around us. Now we look at Scripture and sometimes we see that the things that our society says uh, are not acceptable, the things that nobody really has any problem with us doing, that, that, that those things aren't acceptable according to Scripture. And what we see when we look at Scripture is that it's not society's approval that we're trying to, to win, but it's God's approval that we're trying to win, and we're not going to win that with our own deeds. And yet the only one qualified to reconcile that problem is the cosmic Christ who created all things, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and who loved us so much that He would reconcile us cosmically and personally by His own death. And yet was the firstborn among the dead, resurrected in body, never to die again, seated at the right hand of the Father, that you might come to faith in Him. Christ in you. The hope of glory. It is hard to believe. And yet it is the magnificent truth that will change uh, your life in every respect. Because God loves you. And would, or, would uh, deign to come down as a man. All the fullness of God pleased to dwell in Him, and yet taking our sin upon Himself, so that He might reconcile us to Him. That we might be presented holy and blameless. Not by society's standards, we may already be that, but by God's standards. Because we are not that, except through Him. For that we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.